Welcome back to What's Her Fantasy, a laissez-faire literary podcast all about fantasy books. And today, we're going back into Poppy Story. I don't know why I'm feeling very singy today. I feel like right out the gate, this is very different. It's very provocative in comparison to the first episode. So get ready. You never know what to expect here, just like you'll never know what to expect in Kingdom of Flesh and Fire, Jennifer L. Armentrout's second book in the Blood and Ash series. I am so excited. This is a sophomore book in a series in which I've read all four. So I'm going to do an even worse job of recapping the plot of this book. Thanks for joining me again as we get into Kingdom of Flesh and Fire. I feel like I immediately need to come clean. I forgot two major plot points at the end of From Blood and Ash, the original. I can't even hold it in. I can't even wait. I'm, I have to tell you before I tell you anything else. The first is that when Castile bites Poppy in the woods on their second rendezvous to pound town, Castile finds out something that he reveals to Poppy at the very end of the last book, right before he announces that they're getting married. In her blood, he tastes a little bit of drum roll. Atlantian. It's revealed that Poppy has some amount of Atlantian in her blood. Are you excited, Hazel? Oh, wow. She's got her squeaker toys out. That ain't the only thing that's squeaking. Yes, I'm talking about Poppy and Castile's mattress. So Poppy is Atlantian. The second piece of very valuable information that I probably should have shared, but completely forgot until the second book, is that Poppy has a brother. And her brother's name is Ian and he has, he's older than her and he has been ascended. So he is in the capital. The reports say that he has been ascended. He only comes out at night. Oh, that's maybe a third thing that I should have told you. The ascended can only come out at night. So there's three pieces of information. Do with them what you will. Take them into this next story um, and let's get into it. This book comes in at around 558 pages. I also have it in a hardback. Um, so it's a little, little heavier than the book before um, for many reasons. If I were to describe this book in three words, it would be joining, joining, joining. <laughs> no, um, it would be bewitched. I'm going to make these three words one word. Just say it. Like, just say it. Just say it. And the third word is lies in all caps lies many many lies a continue a continuation of the previous amount of lies and add some more lies yeah so this story picks up exactly where we left off with poppy finding out that she is like it or not going to be marrying castile she finds out she's a bit atlantian and she finds out that she has been set up to be a bargaining chip for the queen of solace she learns about castile's brother Malik, Malik, there's two characters in who are named Malik and Malik with an E-C and Malik with an I-K. And I don't know how either of them pronounce their names. So we're just going to call the brother Malik. So she is going to be used as a bargaining chip. She is pissed. She is being intentionally disrespectful in this hall of Atlanteans in which she has been announced to become their new princess, a nickname that Castile has had for her since the moment that he met her, which is awfully fitting considering he didn't really change his plans until a little bit later on. But she's princess nonetheless, and she will become the princess of Atlantia when she marries Castile. 
during this revelation to her and to the Hall of Atlanteans, uh, a, a fella stands up and says, I don't like this and I don't like her and I'm never going to respect her. She's the maiden. She's the enemy. She's the chosen one of our enemy kingdom. And she's got scars on her face and she's an ugly bitch. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he says. Poppy is so taken aback by this. She's stunned. She, I think the word that's used is flinched. Poppy flinches and reaches up and touches her face involuntarily out of this deep sort of embarrassment of being scarred and this shame that she hasn't felt for a little while because she's been getting her voice. And so she reaches up and touches her face and Castile is irate. He is maddened. He is so pissed that he walks right up to this I think they're a wolven. Side note, wolvens are a creature that turns from a human into a wolf. There are the gods and there are the primal gods we start to learn about. And these are from the, the early, early primal gods. The, they created the uh, wolven characters or the wolven. They're not characters. They're real. They're very real to the people in this book. And the wolven are, some of the wolven are bonded with different Atlantean um, people in the book. So we're introduced to a new character. We might have been introduced to him in the last book, but he really doesn't come into play until this book. His name is Kieran, and he is the bonded wolven with Castile. So he's Castile's right-hand man. He's his best friend. They've been best friends their whole life. And he is there witnessing what is going on. I think he was also there in the blood forest. And I think he said to Castile, hey, this is a bad idea. What are you doing? Castile walks right up to this guy in the middle of the hall. And before anyone knows what's going on, a gushy, bloody body part goes flying on the floor. And it's the heart of this person who insulted Poppy. Castile sits down he looks at Poppy straight in the face and he says, let me just flip onto it. He says, you probably think that was excessive. It wasn't. No one speaks of you or to you like that and lives. Mm. This is when we start to become a little bewitched. This is when we start to really not understand whether or not she really is a bargaining chip. Does Castile love Poppy? Is this an act? What is this bigger bargaining chip? Like what is he going to use her for? And then this book turns into one of my least favorite tropes that I have experienced in reading. And that is marriage of convenience. Castile explains to Poppy that if he marries her because she's part Atlantean, he can marry her. And side note, they have to go to Atlantia because they have to both be standing on Atlantean soil in order to for the marriage to, to work, for the uh, sham marriage that they're about to enter into to work. So they're on their way back to Atlantia, he explains, um, to get married so that they can then go to the Queen of Solace. And you come to find out that Castile believes that with Poppy at his side, the Queen of Solace, Iona, Iena, I do not know how to pronounce her name. I think it's I-O-E-N-A. I-L-O. I think there's an L in there. I'm not sure. And I don't think I ever will be. Castile thinks that if he marries Poppy and they go back to the Queen of Solace, they have a better bargaining power. Poppy's main motivation at this point, besides getting uh, as far away from Castile as possible uh, via stabbing and or any other type of 
mischievous violence, uh, is finding her brother and asking Kieran thousands of questions, which is a big thing in this book. She's asking a lot of questions and Kieran is responding to her and saying, these are these are maybe maybe a couple, two, three, four more, too many questions. Uh, she has decided she's not going to be ascended, so she wouldn't go back, even though um, if she if she could, she she feel, definitely feels like a prisoner. Um, but she wants to find her brother, even though he's been ascended. And what we find out about the ascended is that, and I think we actually find this out in the last book. Uh, but I I gave a very blatant disclaimer that none of this was going to be accurate. So who knows? Uh, Listen at your own risk uh, and with varying levels of believability. So she uh, learns because Castile shares with her. And of course, he's being honest about this one thing when he hasn't been honest about anything else. That the Ascended are actually a creature called a vampire. And they can only walk at night because they can't be in the sun. It's like your, you know, traditional old school Dracula vampire, they drink the blood of the people from the right. So the right are given, the people are given to the right so that they can be drunk by the vampire in the night. And um, they are the ones, oh, big twist. They are the ones who actually create the craven. Who is the villain in this story? Those nuggets of info keep dropping and changing the direction, changing who we hate and who we love, even though deep down, we really do love Castile. Deep down, we love Castile. And deep down, Poppy loves Castile. And this is what brings us to that second word that I would use to describe it, which is just say it. This book, outside of having one of my least favorite tropes has another of my least favorite tropes, which is misunderstanding. You love that person, but you think they couldn't possibly love you or their intentions aren't great. And I mean, I will admit Castile's intentions were not great. So she has a lot of evidence. Poppy has a lot of evidence in the corner of Castile not loving her. But if you look at the raw emotion that he has, he's no actor. Uh, he... He has feelings and so does she and neither of them are saying it. And at one point, I think I screamed aloud, just say it. It was very Shia LaBeouf, just do it. So um, and they didn't for a very long time, for a maddeningly long period of time. Nobody said anything. They both. Well, again, we don't know what Castile assumed because this is also in a first person poppy perspective. But Poppy used every single tiny little nugget of evidence to believe that Castile couldn't possibly love her, doesn't love her, doesn't see this marriage being real at any point in time and 100% sees it as what he's presenting it to her to be, which is better bargaining power with the Queen of Solace. He gets to potentially get closer to his brother, who, another twist, is an Atlantian. Well, that's not a twist. It's He's his brother, and they're both Atlantian. Um, they're actually a special brand of Atlantian called Elemental Atlanteans. And to be honest, I'm not really sure what that means. I think it means they're it's a special bloodline, and they, I don't know, they live longer, and they're hotter, probably. Um, I added that second part. I took some creative liberties there. But he's Atlantian. They're brothers. The brother, Malik, is um, the one who's like prick, pricked he's pricked he actually is pricked he's pricked because he's bitten by a lot of the ascended to make more well no he's bitten by people to make ascended to make more ascended you need an atlantian 
this is where this book gets so fucking confusing. I really truly don't know. I'm not going to try to know. Somehow the kingdom of Solus needs an Atlantean to create more ascended. And I'm going to leave it at that because if we start to pull back the layers here, we're just going to get more layers. We're just going to get more confused. If, if Jennifer, my friend, the author, not my friend, but maybe will be after some of this expert analysis. Um, if Jennifer, who is a bona fide author, couldn't explain this to me in a way where I understood it, I'm certainly not going to explain it to you in a way that we're going to understand it. So let's just table it. You need the Atlantean to create the Ascended. That's why Castile was kidnapped for 50 years. Um, you know, he, that's why he was held captive. That's why his brother was then taken in his stead because his brother went to rescue him. He got out. He decides to go find his brother using Poppy. He decides to marry Poppy. And they both decide to enter into this marriage of convenience because they will get they will get it each <laughs> because they will each get something they want out of it. Poppy will get to see her brother Ian and Castile will potentially get back with his brother. I'm going to look up how to pronounce his. Actually, I'm not. You know why I'm not going to look up how to pronounce his name? Because the pronunciation guide isn't until the fourth book. I have I'm already married to half these characters. I'm joined with three other ones. It's 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 set in stone. I'm pronouncing it Malik. So they're in this marriage of convenience. They've decided that they need to travel. Well, they haven't decided. Castile decided they need to travel back to Atlantia so they can at least set foot on Atlantian soil. And they can get married. And then they can trolla all the way to Carcedonia so that they can start their game of wizard chess. It's not wizard chess. That's not in this at all. That's in Harry Potter. So they're going back to Atlantia. Before they go back, someone walks into the hall. I know we're still on the very beginning of this book, but I promise this one flies by. There's not a lot of action. I mean, there's a lot of action, but this is a lot of like backstory. It's a lot of internal dialogue. It's a lot of will they, won't they? Um, but someone walks into the hall and it's none other than this fella named Alistair. And I can't remember if he's a Wolven or if he is a, actually he's a Wolven. I remember now. He's a Wolven. I'm 100% confident. I'm 94% confident that he's a Wolven. And so he comes in, he's like, a, I don't know, kind of like an elder. He's, you know, a little bit older. And he walks in and he immediately reminds Poppy of Victor. And Poppy um, likes him. And Castile is like, hey, that's a baddie dude. He's not a real baddie. But just keep your wits about you when you're around Alistair. I raised my eyebrows when Alistair entered the chat because he something seemed off. He seemed to just not be fully good. There was always a tone in the things that he said. And as much as we don't trust Castile, we trust him a lot. As much as we as much as we feel very betrayed, there's also something about him that is trustworthy. And I don't think that that's healthy, but that's reality. That's how I felt when I was reading it. I wanted to trust him. I wanted to believe that there was some underlying deep seated emotion that was really driving a lot of this behavior. And he was using this excuse of this okay, we could get married, then I don't have to give up Poppy and I also can potentially get my brother back. So I'm pleasing like two sides. Um, but not really realizing that Poppy is not going to be accepted by these Atlanteans. She's the symbol and the main event of the other 
evil kingdom of the arch nemesis kingdom. So she is not well uh, set up for she's not set up for success in the kingdom of Atlantia to be loved or even accepted or even live because people try and kill her all the time. She's tried to people as much as Poppy tries to kill Castile and other folks in this book. She is she gets it back tenfold. She has to have her wits about her. She has this woven dagger all the time. Also, I'm fairly certain that I will also be getting a woven dagger uh, tattooed on my thigh. This will not be the first bookish tattoo that I will get. I have a a Court of Mist and Fury uh, tattoo on my hand. And I have uh, ideas for some Throne of Glass tattoos. Uh, but I, I relate to Poppy. I feel like as a person, it's been really hard uh, to sometimes find my voice and share how I feel and form opinions and feel really strong in those convictions. Uh, and so I really related to Poppy. And especially as she goes through this book and starts to realize that even though she maybe didn't want things to go down the way that they did with Castile, she has something she wants and marrying Castile can actually help her get there. And then underneath all of that, she loves Castile. So underneath all of that, she also is saying like, oh, if I go along with this, I get a chance to potentially see my brother again. And I don't see any other way there. Now, not to say she doesn't try to escape multiple times because she does. She tries to escape multiple times. And the irony of it all, she'll like run into the woods with just like a nightgown on and like a butter knife and no food. And Castile will go out there and he'll be like, okay, (laughs) did did you get it out of your system? So, I mean, he is definitely holding her captive, um, but she's struggling with whether she, what she can do by herself and finding her footing and Seal always gives her a little bit of space to do these things and also try and keep her safe too, um, which is very interesting. So Poppy's introduced to Alistair. I have my wits about me around him. I think he cannot be good. Poppy doesn't agree with me. Poppy thinks that he's just like Victor, reminds her of Victor. And so she starts to trust him. Kieran is brought in as sort of, you know, like he's Castile's best friend. He's known Castile and Malik uh, their whole lives. They grew up together. And uh, Kieran starts to form a relationship with Poppy, a little bit of a friendship. He, he's more sarc- He's like sarcastic. Um, and he's, again, another character that you're like, OK, this is this is kind of attractive. Like you're. I don't know. What is the, I I can't remember the trope. It's like the downer. (laughs) He's a downer, but it's in a good way. He's like very dry, very sarcastic. I love that about him. I tend to be pretty dry and sarcastic. Well, maybe not dry. Definitely not dry reading this book. (laughs) Wink. Um, No, but pretty sarcastic. So I would say that's one of the things I start to like about Kieran. And I trust him immediately, even though he's involved in all this shit. I'm immediately like, oh, I trust him. I would let him walk me back to my room and sit there and make sure that I'm safe, even though they're keeping her in, but they're also keeping her safe. It's very interesting. He brings up to Poppy because Poppy basically says, I don't trust anyone here. The only person I maybe trust is Alistair. I mean, I don't think she says that, but that's what we get. Kieran says to her, you know, uh, Castile is basically the only person who I think that you would be safe with and you're the safest person in the world. I'm butchering the line. The line that he says is, he has done things some might find unforgivable, things that would haunt your sleep and leave you with nightmares long after you wake. He may hate being called the Dark One, but he has earned that name. Kieran's pale eyes met mine as a shiver curled its way down my spine. 
but he's the one thing in all the kingdoms that you and only you never have to fear. I've got, I've got shivers. So we find out, I'm not going to make you wait. I'm not going to make you read 200 pages. We find out that Kieran assumes that Castile and Poppy are something called, oh my gosh, my third trope that we're approaching, I think. I think it's the third trope. Um, and my absolute favorite uh, book trope of all time, Faded Mates. Uh, he thinks that there's something called Heartmates. And we don't really get a lot of information about what that is at this point in time. But as a true lover of Faded Mates, I, I'm eating it up. I'm eating it up at this point, which also gives you a little bit of evidence. Like it gave me a little bit of evidence. I'm, I'm like, okay, there's got to be love, romance, feelings going beyond just this sort of marriage of convenience. Um, and then this, it's all tied up in this misunderstanding um, relationship between them. But Castile basically says, if you and me go to Solace and we find my brother and we find your brother, you can be free. If you want to be out of this marriage after that, you can be free. I will let you go wherever you want to go. And she's she's really doesn't understand the concept of freedom and starts to think like, well, where would I even go? But she's allured by that. And it starts to like bloom a little nugget in her mind of, OK, well, maybe he doesn't want a negative end for me. He wants me to live. There's a line in there. He wants her to live. You know, she can live a, a long life. He really wants that for her. So this is all going in like the evidence bucket of her wanting um, of her feeling like maybe he does care about me. Um, they're also st- Still sleeping in the same bed. And I'm not upset about it. The reason being because they're having some conversations and you start to find out and suspect that Castile really does love Poppy. And that this is all a way that he's trying to bring her along in a weird way and make her feel like their relationship is her choice, even though their marriage is not her choice. But the relationship and the intimacy and the love is her choice. And I'll get there. I'll get there as to why I think that. But he reveals to her in one of these moments in in her room that Hawk Flynn, his last name was Flynn, (laughs) come to find out, um, Hawk Flynn is not a made-up name. I think Flynn is a made-up name. But Hawk Throne is his middle name. And middle names are only told to like two people, your mom and like a very special other person in the world. Nobody else knows or uses a middle name of Inolanchin. Hawk was the name that his mother called him, a dear name to him. And he tells her this so that she understands that not everything between them was a lie. And while I am really struggling to forgive him strictly for, not for the ulterior motives, but for the fact that he slept with her, that that judgment, I have a harsh judgment on that, that he slept with her without her knowing the truth of who he was as a person. I'm starting to understand, and I think Poppy is too at the same time, that there are shades of gray here. He got caught up in the moment. There were a lot of feelings. And perhaps maybe he wanted to tell her. I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to become hopeful. Perhaps maybe he wanted to tell her, but he couldn't in that time. And he was confused. And I don't know, as adult humans, we realize that things are rarely black and white. Uh, and so they seemed to be so much so for Castile. So he reveals this piece of information and a little part of my frozen heart melted and a little part of Poppy's frozen Atlantian blood melted too. She has these nightmares. I never talked about this before, but she has these crazy nightmares. She wakes up and she can't go back to sleep. They're about the Craven incident. They start to reveal a little bit more of her memory throughout that point in time when the Craven attacked her parents and, you know, um, well, got her. It got her a little. The Craven definitely got her a little. 
she starts to bring up some of these memories. And because of that, um, she needs help getting back to sleep. And we know that Castile likes to help her go back to sleep. I start to wish for more intimacy between the two of them because I believe deep down that there is some, I want to believe in faded mates. I want to believe that they're in love. I want to believe that this whole thing isn't a sham, mostly because I hate that trope. And I mean, the trope is marriage of convenience and then they fall in love. So that is the trope in and of itself. And I'm still hoping for it, but I just don't like the way that it feels like a deal. I don't like feeling like, Let's make a deal. And then no choice was involved. Even though Faded Mates is the same thing. There's no choice involved. You're chosen by the gods or by the universe or by some preordained timeline that you're going to be together. But there's something about that. It feels it feels very honest compared to let's let's not have self-awareness. Let's just do this out of convenience. And then, oh, there we are. We ended up together. Um, it's not my jam. But Faded Mates is uh, till the day I die. So, and my mate dies too, because we're faded. Uh, I start to want some desire, and so does Poppy. And Castile um, wants to help her. And one of the things I love about this book is that as, as upset as we were at Castile through the last book and the ending, this book, he, and it's not like he's trying to make it up to her. He is so concerned and so invested in Poppy's pleasure, he wants to worship her. Finishing himself is the least of his worries. But he wants her to always know that he he could, he could blow at any minute because of how turned on he is by her. And he worships her. And as much as someone who's going to claim that they're getting married out of convenience, that they're not, you know, it's just pretend, which is a big theme in this. They start to, you know, Castile says, let's just pretend to be Hawk and poppy you know let's just pretend so that not so that he can get in her pants by any means he really is so concerned about her pleasure without trying to reap any of his own and chef's kiss find me a man that will do that and i mean but really though someone find me a man that will do that so in one of these instances of potential pleasure poppy wakes up and castile's eyes are like completely black which is super strange she doesn't really understand and then she realizes oh holy smokes He's about to bite me. <laughs> he goes down on her. He's very close to her femoral artery. She screams out in pleasure. Kieran comes running in. This is the first um, a little bit of foreshadowing, if you will, of Kieran being around in some sexual circumstances with Poppy and Castile. And Kieran comes in. He says, whoa, I totally misunderstood the situation and leaves. But he basically says to Castile, like, hey, I told you this was going to happen. You're like, what was going to happen? Turns out Atlanteans need to feed and they feed. They can feed on anyone. Um, but if they have a heart mate, they find it disgusting to feed from anyone else. So this is another drop in the bucket of potentially Castile loving Poppy, potentially them being heartmates. And so Poppy says, wait, that he needs to feed. I will let him feed. Mm, maybe Poppy is starting to forgive him. Maybe she's starting to, I don't know, maybe not forgive him, but she's starting to understand his motives because she has a brother. She wants to get to her brother. She starts to understand that he was, Castile himself was held captive. And now someone that he loves and the heir to the Atlantean throne, because his brother is the heir. Um, he was the chosen for the king. Castile was just, you know, second in line. So she starts to think to herself, like, what, what would I do in this situation? I probably wouldn't, you know, 
betray me this way. But she starts to have a little bit of empathy for Castile. This also is uh, something that I, I missed, I think, in the first book. But it's definitely more apparent here is that Poppy has a little bit of a special. Yeah, definitely in the first book. She has a special power, a little bit of magic in her bones. And so she can sense other people's emotions. She can reach out and sense what they're feeling. So it's a little bit of a built-in lie detector. And she's used it on Castile a lot, um, which was what was so surprising that he ended up being um, a com- the complete opposite of who he said he was and with the complete wrong intentions. But... This power starts to grow a little bit. And it turns out that when you're at Lanshin and you become 19, you go through something called a calling. And so Poppy's nearing the age of 19 and she uh, her power starts to get a little bit stronger. So she can reach out um, and feel what other people are feeling, but she can also touch them, think of happy memories and take away their pain. And so she um, used this power early on to help people in death who were, you know, potentially going to turn into Craven. She would help them by, I mean, she would kill them, but she would kill them with dignity. That was her thing. Um, And it just is like, I don't know. I felt like it was her first stand against the evils that she was shown, even though she didn't know a lot of them with the Ascended. She truly believed that people deserved dignity when they um, were passed, even if they were cursed and going to turn into a craven. So her powers start to manifest a little bit more. And she reaches out to Castile during this, I call it, deadly cunnilingus, and sees that he's like starving. And so Kieran, Poppy, and Castile all decide that Castile's going to feed off of Poppy. And um, Kieran's going to be there to supervise because Castile is so close to the edge that he could drink up all her blood. And then to be honest, I had no idea what would happen if that was the case because I'm so confused on who, which which A name makes another A name, Atlantian, Ascended. Castile's an asshole in the first one. So they decide to do a feeding. It turns charged. And then there's the second bit of foreshadowing of Kieran being there while Poppy is being fed on by Castile. She starts to move her body a little bit. They start to get pretty excited. And Kieran gracefully bows out after he's sure that everyone is safe. But there is another little drop in the bucket of being involved in a very um, near intimate moment between Poppy and Castile. Definitely not as much as like walking in on him mid-lick. All that to say, right after this happens, or, or before, who knows, um, Poppy meets with Alistair to have a little conversation, say hello. He wants to get to know her a little bit. He drops a bomb. He not only dropped a bomb on Poppy, but he dropped a bomb on me, one that I have not been able to stop thinking about for the last three weeks. What he tells Poppy is that when an Atlantian is bonded with a Wolven, so Castile and Kieran, he just... He doesn't say them by name, but that's who we're thinking about. Um, And then the Atlantian chooses a partner for life. And if that partner isn't um, Atlantian, or even if they are, I think, who knows? They can do something called, dun, 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 the joining. And what it does is it joins the lover of the Atlantian to the life of the Atlantian through the magic of the woven. And so the three of these people, threesome, if you will, <laughs> all the pun intended. It's not pun, actually. It's legitimate. It's three people, a threesome. Their lives are all bonded together. And so that person can have a longer lifespan or they don't have to live without one another. And it gives a little bit more protection. Alistair also shares that 
oftentimes the joining turns sexual because obviously when you're bitten by an Atlantean, you become incredibly aroused. And so sometimes this becomes a thing. And by thing, I mean actual sexual threesome. So when I first read this, I was a little like my heart lurched because I'm like, no, Poppy and Castile are heartmates, even though it hadn't been, you know, hasn't been really spoken yet. I believed it. They're in love. This is going to fuck everything up. Kieran's going to come in with his sarcasm and his dry, dry humor. And everything is going to be is going to be fucked. Uh, there's going to be jealousy. It's not going to be good. And I wanted nothing more than for this joining to be pish poshed. I wanted it out of here. I wanted Poppy to like be like, hell no, I'm not doing that. Even though there was a part in my mind as I was starting to get to know Kieran a little bit more throughout this book. And there's a lot of conversation between Kieran and Poppy, Kieran and Castile and Poppy, and Kieran and Poppy and Castile. <laughs> one, two, three, three, two, one, two, three, one. And I start, you start to look at him like such a support system and such a selfless human for being there for Castile for his whole life, especially when he was captured. I don't know, there was like maybe a tiny nugget that was like, I could see this maybe going right, but it's definitely going to go wrong. Throughout the rest of the book, I was sincerely hoping that the joining never happened. After some of these conversations, they're back on the road. They're on their way to Atlanta. A bunch of other stuff happens, but I don't remember any of it. Um, they go to a city called Spessa's End, which I don't know, I think Poppy had been told that this place was like burned down. Hold on. It just got really dark in here. I need to turn on a light. I'm sitting in my house. It's pitch black. I have a glass of wine, which is like, I don't know, the silver lining. But it's also very creepy. This is, it's creepy. It's not a good look. Okay, so they're on, <laughs> I'm back. Um, I They're on their way to Spessa's End. It's on Atlantian soil. So that means they could potentially, Poppy and Castile could potentially get married there. During this time, Castile starts to show some of those traits of Hawk that were hidden at the end of the first book seemed like he was acting a little bit to be the dark one in Castile because he was really trying to like fortify his mind that no this was a business transaction or he was trying to like let her know that it was a business transaction or whatever and so they start to engage in like these moments where they're just pretending and it gives them the chance to really admit to without admitting to the feelings that they have for one another one of the things I also really love about this book is even though we still haven't forgiven him we're still mad but there's something about him that we trust and I say we meaning me and Poppy like we're the same person like all of the sex that's in this book is really deeply tied with love there is this like deep passion but it also is like and it's very spicy but it also has this like very deep underlying layer of love that's one of the reasons why I think well, Poppy's experiencing it I'm secondhand experiencing it and I'm starting to forgive Castile because you can you can see that it's there and it feels very much like the Hunger Games where PETA at the end is like you love me real or not real and Katniss how did I almost forget her name was Katniss how did I remember her name was Katniss Katniss is like real and so at a certain point in time they're in Spessa's end Castile takes her to this place that he loved growing up a cavern and she strips off all her clothes. And for the first time, she's like, I am not going to cover my body up. I am proud of who I am, my scars, my curves. While we're on the topic of Poppy's scars, let's just take a step back and talk about Poppy as a whole. Poppy's character is written to be 
a curvy girl. A lot of the main characters that I've been reading lately have been written in this way where they have fuller figures and curvier bodies and I am here for it. I can finally envision myself in some of these characters. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And she gets in that water. He gets in there. He looks at her and he's like, let's pretend. And she goes, let's not pretend. I'm Poppy. You're Castile. We're doing this. And the last little bit of her frozen heart sort of thaws. And it's everything you're looking for. And from this moment on, they start to let the rest of the walls down. And I love that by the time they actually get married, which is not far after, they truly are in it to be married. Not to have this marriage of convenience, but they actually want to get married. And it is acknowledged by Nyctos, who's the king of the gods. I don't even know if he's the king of the gods or he's like the life or death of the primal or something. And I know that that doesn't make any sense to anyone who hasn't read the book, but I have read the book and it doesn't make any sense to me either. So (laughs) you're not in this alone. So Nyctos blesses their wedding by making the sky dark and black when they get married. And I feel like it kind of brought it back for me because when they got married, they got married for the right reasons and they wanted to have it all. They wanted to get the brothers back and they also loved each other and wanted to be together and would figure out the rest as it as it happened. When Poppy said, no, this is real. I'm Poppy. You're Castile. Oh, my God, that rhymed. When she says that, it is one of the first moments where she is claiming what she wants. And I felt Poppy swell so much in this. She grew in her power, in her voice, in her significance. And for someone who's like me, who's struggled with those things and has had them in spades at sometimes and has not found my voice in others, I fucking loved it. I felt like she is finally asking for what she wants and it's there for her. That's why one of the words is just say it, just say what you want because I bet you he wants the same thing. And if he doesn't, at least you've said it and then you can go on and figure out what's next and what's best for you after that. While they're in Spessa's end, Poppy's powers start to grow and she actually brings a little girl back to life. So she not only can heal people's feelings and help them relieve them of pain, but it seems like she's, as she's getting stronger, she also has, I don't know, the badass ability to bring people back from the dead, which... I think is a little bit of a foreshadowing of like, hey, maybe, yeah, she had, she thought she was mortal. Now she has that lantern in her blood. Oh, wait, now she's able to bring people back to life. What is this? So I don't know, just like dog ear that for a little bit later. Um, so I think that they're on their way to, I think, because I don't know, uh, they're on their way to Atlanta. They get word that none other than the Ascended and the the Duchess, remember that evil Duke with the cane in his chest? His wife is here and she's here for Poppy. She's coming back and they are going to blow shit up if Poppy doesn't come back. And so instead of allowing them to blow up Spess's end, they decide to delay their their jaunt back in to meet the king and queen of Atlanta and have them bless their marriage and convince them that it's real, even though they weren't even sure if it was real up until then. But they decide to go back and fight with Spess's end, fight against the Ascended. They're battling it out. I love Poppy. She's like, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I'm going to go fucking fight, which is what she's been from the very beginning. She's learned how to fight. She'd sneak out all the time. She'd fight a bunch of people. She's very murderous. It turns Castile on. 
So she's out there. She's like, I'm not going to sit up here while everyone fights for me. So she joins the fray. And when it looks like all hope is lost, it looks like they're going to lose. She turns the knife on herself because she sees the value. She's more valuable alive than she is dead. They don't want her dead. They want her back in solace, alive. Do they know she hasn't lanched in blood? Maybe they want her the same way that they wanted Castile and Malik. Malik, I'll come back with the correct pronunciation of his name or I won't. It'll be a mystery. You'll have to find out later. I will leave it on the last page of the book just to mess with you. She turns the knife on herself. Everyone drops their swords. And at the in the nick of time, just then, all of the wolven come out of the woodwork. They come out of, not the woodwork, they come out of the woods. Very similar, but a very different meaning. They come out of the woods and they eat all the people. Well, they don't eat all of them. Then all of a sudden there's this big rumble and then Atlantia has also come. They sent word. Kieran ran all night and all day. He brings back the army of Atlantia. Um, after that, they're, you know, pretty excited and pretty aroused, one might say. And so Poppy and Castile ask, I don't know, people to guard the carriage while the rest of the battle is going on. And I would say this is a little bit in poor taste. I mean, I liked reading the scene, but perhaps wait until everyone, perhaps wait until the dead have been cleared off the battlefield before you go get it on in the carriage. Um, but they get it on in the carriage. And this leads me to Miss Willa's diary, which is something that I have not brought up from the first book that yet again, I probably should have, which is that there is this diary of sexual conquests by someone named Willa Collins that was in Solus that they believed she was at Lanchon because there was a something about a bite in the diary that Poppy was reading. She was reading smut. Aren't we all? We're all reading smut. Um, but she was reading smut before she met uh, Hawk slash Castile. And then Hawk slash Castile finds this book. And it becomes a bit of banter between the two of them. Miss Willa Collins was meant to live, uh, supposed to live, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before them. And her diary keeps the bedroom interesting. And it keeps Poppy's curiosity piqued. She learns about many things through that diary. Um, so the diary's talked about in the carriage. They hook up. I didn't. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't like it when you, you know, pan out and you realize they're still in the middle of a battle. All that to say, they end the battle. They're on their way back to Atlanta to go talk to Castile's parents. As they enter the gates of Atlanta, Poppy feels at home for the first time, which is probably the Atlantian in her blood singing a little bit. Um, and I, I don't know. I kind of want to go to Atlanta. There is a long list that I have of book worlds that I want to go to. And there is one that is right at the top that I cannot say right now. But I would say Spess's End and Atlanta are a close Close second. Hot hot vacation spots of 2022. Spess's end. Buy your tickets on Travelocity. Again, Travelocity could be a cool sponsor, but I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like this book really calls for none other than Arby's. They have the meats in this book. It has the meats. I want the meats. Oh my God. So they go into Atlanta. Poppy is drawn away by one of the woven that she really likes. And he's going to take her to the temple of Nyctos and show her around. She walks into that temple and she feels something about her has come home. And she turns around and there are a bunch of angry Atlanteans that try and stone her. They think that she is evil. They think that she is the maiden. They think that she is a spy. They think that she is a double agent. How ironic considering all of that was Castile. So she is almost stoned. She begs them to stop. She tells them that she loves Castile. I don't know if she said, actually, I know for a fact she doesn't say that because one of my harps, one of my issues with this book 
is the fact that Poppy and Castile go through this entire relationship. They go through this, you know, we love I, we love each other as Hawk and Poppy. Then we're heart, you know, actually they never admit they're heartmates, but they start to believe that they're each other's heartmate. And then they go through this fake marriage of convenience. They, they finally admit that they have deep, deep, deep feelings for each other and care for each other. But they never once say that they love each other in this entire book. And that, it got me. I'm like, they really do, they care about each other. And they, I think they use that word verbatim. They, when, well, since when does marriage come before love, especially when it's a fake marriage? No, it's a real marriage. So let's not say it. Why don't we say it? I'm going to say it. I love you, Castile Denier. Um, So she says, you know, I'm here for the right reasons. I didn't know about the ascended. Now I know I've had my eyes opened. They try and stone her to death. And she gets so frazzled isn't the right word, but she loses it. She loses her control over her power, over what's going on. And she begs them to stop hurting her. They don't. And so she kills everyone in this temple with her mind, with her mind powers. She kills them. People start to walk in outside of the the deadies. Um, outside of everyone she's killed, Castile walks in. All of the wolven come running in for some strange reason. I'm flipping through the last few pages here. All of the wolves come in and it seems like in this moment they're actually protecting Poppy, which is very, very strange. The very end, I mean, I'm talking about last page. This is Jennifer's, this is her M.O. This is her bread and butter. She's like, oh, you think you know what's going on? I'm going to wait till the last page and I'm going to wait till the last sentence and then I am going to gut you or confuse you or make you scream or throw this book. That's exactly what she did here. So Castile walks in. She admits to herself. He stood right there, Hawk, Castile, the Prince of Atlantia, the Dark One, my husband, my heartmate. Castile lowered to one knee, crossing the swords over his chest as he bowed his head between the V of the deadly sharp blades. So he bows to her. They don't know what's going on in this temple. His mom, the queen, comes in. She bows. She removes her crown and then she sets it on the ground. I have full body chills. And she says, lower your swords to anyone. Because it's like, I don't know, it's like a standoff, right? It's Poppy and then all the Wolven, which is so weird. The Wolven are on Poppy's side. And then it's a bunch of dead people who tried to stone her. And then, you know, like the king and the queen and Castile and their guards all come in. So it's a standoff. And the queen, who Poppy has never met, and she maybe just found out that they got married, she says, lower your swords and bow before the last descendant of the most ancient ones. She who carries the blood of the king of the gods within her, bow before your new queen. What? So Poppy not only has, I have, I've, I've got to like, I've got to like move my arms because I am so excited. Poppy is not only Atlantean, but she has the blood of Nyctos, the king of the gods. I was right about that. She has the blood of Nyctos in her. And that's, and we don't know why. We don't know how. We don't know who. That's how this book ends. What a ride. I went into this thinking I was seriously deranged for continuing on. And I was very wrong. I remember I was in the bath. I was reading this book. And um, I hit a line. I hit a point in it. And I slammed it shut. I threw it. I throw books a lot. That's why I get the hardbacks because it really doesn't affect them that much, but it really helps me get the feels out. I threw it. I pointed at it and I saw this all happening from like a third person. I, I left my body and saw it and I screamed, you are missed and furying me. And if any of you have read A Court of Mist and Fury, you understand what that means. And if any of you haven't, it's a good book. 
read it. We'll cover it at some point in time on this podcast. So for this, I would definitely recommend it. I would definitely reread it. I have. It's chef's kiss. It's a great story. Even though it has some of my least favorite tropes, for some reason, they still got me. I was able to look past them. And I mean, introduce Faded Mates and I'll be I'll be happy girl anyways. That was book two. That was A Kingdom of Flesh and Fire. And as many questions as it solved, it opened an entirely new set. It's like when the show Lost ended and there were still 108 unanswered questions. Why were there polar bears? Why did the others want Walt so badly? Why does she have Nikto's blood in her veins? What is an Atlantean? <laughs> I wish I knew. I'm going to go Google it. Did you read the book? Do you not feel the need to read the book after this tragic retelling? Um, What are your thoughts on the joining? What are your thoughts on Poppy's ever-changing origin? Do you think that Castile deserved the redemption arc that he got? These are the things I want to know. Find me on TikTok at Kayla and PDX or on Instagram, What's Her Fantasy Podcast. And let me know what you think. (laughs) Let me know what you think is in... Miss Willa Collins diary and if you're on the same page as I am about marriage of convenience and a poorly timed carriage tryst.